Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women. And come on, you apes, you want to drink forever? <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys. There we go. This week, we're reading Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein, and our guest is starting with a beer. We have a special guest. Alex, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, hi, guys. I'm Alex. Uh, I'm just a long, long-time uh, fan of the show, long-time friend of Jimmy, and this is my favorite book, so he's going to trash it for me here. <laughs> yes, we, we thought that it is would our be specialty. good to uh, have someone who actually liked the book on the podcast, and... Since this is our Veterans Day episode, we got an actual veteran. Ooh. What a coincidence yeah. of that. Uh, but yeah, so Alex, you just popped the cork on a beer. Tell us what this it is. This is one of the fanciest beers you'll ever have. It is my all-time favorite beer to go with my all-time favorite book. It is Brooklyn Black Ops. And the reason why we're drinking Brooklyn Black Ops today is that in the military community, Black Ops is something that is non-standard, not a conventional warfare method. So um, I can't think of any op blacker than being fired out of a giant space cannon at a planet. So (laughs) that is (laughs) pretty black. That's pretty black, pretty non-standard infantry tactics. So it is it's a stout from Brooklyn Brewery and it is aged in Four Roses bourbon barrels, and it is delicious. What's the uh, alcohol on that boy? Is that 15, oh, 20, 45? Yeah, 12.4. Mm, and it is a big one. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Since we're yeah. all still in quarantine while recording this, Alex will have to drink the entire large bottle by himself. So as he degenerates oh, no. throughout the episode, <laughs> that is why. We did have this at Pastry Town. Uh, I drank it out of uh, the ice sculpture, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I regret nothing. <laughs> No, it, it is the normal one is amazing, and this is my second bottle of the Four Roses version, and it is, I don't want to say better because I'll never find it again, and it may make me sad. <laughs> what is the normal one? Is it a different whiskey? Yeah, it's just a different non-standard barrel. Yeah, I don't think they actually tell you the brand. I've had it before, and it, just, it has like this whole spiel, like, no one talks about Black Ops, it's a secret, and it's like written on the barrel. It's kind of fucking boring, <laughs> but beer is yeah. excellent. That was their ad campaign, and that really, uh, I want to say that's what drew me into it, but I was just, I actually found this first bottle in, in Fort Knox when I was just there for training. I'm like, huh, a Brooklyn beer. And it was my first bourbon stout I ever had, and, and it was love at first sip. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. We can appreciate that. So, okay, the book, Starship Troopers, it is, uh, pro- it is a very, very famous book. It was published in 1959 and then won the Hugo that year Almost or the year after. Nice. Almost nice. Almost nice. Just a little bit off. <laughs> kind of, that's not kind of quite the nice. for the whole book, actually. <laughs> we should also say that the for the film version, which is also from 1997, which is also very famous, they had to invent kind of a lot of plot. It's not that it's they didn't base it on the book, but there's a lot of plot in that movie that they had to make up. I rewatched the movie again uh, in the last day or two. Uh, we discussed that as well, you know, at the end. But it is hilarious. I have a story about seeing that movie. I mean, I really liked it back no, when it's, I it's saw it. Good, yeah. It's when it just, came out, it's a very di- well. Once we re- once we talk about the book, we can talk about how the movie came to be because it was a uh, misunderstood film. Yeah, and and the book uh, shares a title with the movie and four main character names and some of the planet names, and that's pretty much where the similarities end. It's yeah, not yeah. <laughs> because those There's are the only bit. things that happen in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so the book. Kind of like starts with a battle scene, 
there's one battle scene a little bit in the middle and then a battle scene at the end and then a lot of uh boot camp and philosophy it's and like half a ender's game half full metal jacket is what it felt <laughs> like half meditations by marcus aurelius i'm actually reading that right now really? and that's much better than this <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I mean, I understand that sometimes, you know, uh, being intellectual is not for everyone. So I understand. <laughs> I just want to drink and read. <laughs> I want bugs to go. <laughs> so the main character is Johnny Juanito Rico that you gather throughout the course of the book, uh, who is, I guess, I don't know. Is he Brazilian? Like his, his parents are in Buenos Aires. Yeah, it, is, it, is re- it is revealed at the very end that he is Filipino. Oh, but yeah, he is right. living in Buenos Aires. But the, the Buenos Aires we know today does not exist because countries no longer exist in this world. This it's is hundreds of years in the future. Yes. There are still countries, just not the same ones. Like, there's a whole spiel when they talk about voting. And the guy's like, in some nations, it's this. And in some nations, it's that. I got the sense that that was about America still. Or, uh, excuse me, Earth still. Oh, it yeah, doesn't it's matter Earth. at all, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So the main character, Johnny Rico Suave, he joins... <laughs> The, the the military and it's not really clear from the beginning why like what's the advantage of joining the military kind of like today where you're like oh i could end up on the side of the road homeless like that sounds awesome because that's what most <laughs> veterans i see are doing they're like holding signs like please help me <laughs> um like thanks those guys are just scammers Walter, yeah. by the way all right <laughs> stolen glory whatever <laughs> If you're homeless, you should be able to beg on your own. You don't have to steal any valor to beg. Yeah. <laughs> so he joins. So well, actually, the very first scene is a battle. That's true. It's yes. like and that was kind of space cool. marine, space armor, and he's like just describes like being dropped down on the planet and then doing these huge jumps and firing like mini nukes at buildings and stuff like that. Like atomic and it's like, hey, grenades. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're atomic grenade launchers like the. The image of this, I love it so much. If you don't like the first chapter of the book, like I got nothing for you as far as sci-fi. Because I think most people like all the first chapter. Yeah, the first chapter is <laughs> great. Chapter, it's a yeah. giant. The, each naval spaceship is a giant revolver that shoots <laughs> soldiers at a planet. Like that's what it is, and that's how they describe it. And then they jump out and they nuke things. So I have a beer for that. Oh shit! <laughs> Me too. Sort of. <laughs> wow. So this is called a Techno Viking by Sloop. <laughs> Because a techno-Viking could sound slightly like a space marine. <laughs> Maybe a little. It's like, a, like, a, like if you put it into Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times through four different languages, you'd come out with techno-Viking at the end. Yeah, maybe. This is by Sloop. This is 6% alcohol IPA brewed with milk sugar, malted wheat, and flaked wheat. Wheat and, with dandruff. Uh, it's pretty good. Continuing the saga of Sloop making only New England IPAs, as far as I can tell. Well, I'm not going to challenge that, because I have a beer, too. And this is by Sloop, and it's called <laughs> Aluminum Army, and it's a New England IPA. And, and it's a beer that I bought like a million and brought to Mike's ago. house. <laughs> this is probably not going to be very good at this point. It's really old. But it's a 6.5% six, six uh, IPA with malted oats and flaked oats. Wow, these sound like similar beers. This is definitely been past its uh, its prime um, <laughs> this beer but it's fine you know i will take several sips of it to give it you know, put it through its paces mine is much newer than that one and it's still fine it's a newer yeah. england ipa yes <laughs> uh so i chose aluminum army because one i really needed to get this out of the fridge and two <laughs> they're wearing these like voltron suits 
as they fight that like the suit weighs a couple of tons and you know when you wear it it just feels like you're wearing a I mean, this book's from 1959, so it's a little hokey. So I'll say, it feels like a nice pair of slacks, but <laughs> you know, like they're they wear this this suit, like this mech thing, like it's a manga. They did like big Iron Man suit. Yeah, and they yeah. could do all sorts of cool stuff, like pick up an egg without breaking it. Is literally one of the things they say at one point. So that I, I mean, if it's I don't know if aluminum was a constituent part in that suit, but you know, something something metallic, I'm sure. And on, on that note, this book is credited with creating the concept of the like mech suit or powered suit. So if you like sci-fi and you like, you know, giant robot or men in suits things, well, if you thank Mr. Heinlein. Uh, just read chapter one. <laughs> it, it also kind of created military science fiction. Yeah, absolutely. It itself. So uh, you're welcome, world. Well, everybody else is drinking, so I'm going to drink something because it's hot out. Uh, this is supposed to be for later in the book, but it works right now, too. Because the book begins when Johnny gets out of high school and he has a graduation. (laughs) (laughs) I was saving it for boot camp, but I'm thirsty. Uh, This is Graduation by Torch and Crown. uh, And this is a Kvike. Or maybe it's Kvike, I don't know. K-V-E-I-K. I I don't know what the fuck that is, though. But it's a New England IPA. Or no, some kind of IPA. And it is 8.1%. And it looks, smells very nice. I believe uh, that... I think it's pronounced quike, actually, but I'm not sure because it's quike? a quike. It's a V. Uh, yeah, well, actually, that's like those stupid Norwegian words and shit. Where those Scandinavian words oh. are like, we don't know what these letters do. These are just <laughs> runic elf symbols. It is a uh, as I'm as con- as confirmed by the first page of my Google search results here. It is a Norwegian <laughs> beer that uses a specific type of yeast, and I've had we've had one or two of these before, and it's always like. I guess it's different yeast in there. Who knows? I have no fucking idea, but it's pretty good, and I like it. I don't understand what the difference is in terms of yeast, but I would drink this beer, and I will drink this beer, because it is here open in front of me, and it is hot out, and I can't turn the fan on. I think um, <laughs> it's it's like if you're a brewer, like a home brewer especially, people have been getting huge boners over this yeast, which is... Is it, uh, is it like the new thing? It's new I think it's block. just... It's pronounced quike, uh, and I just found well, out. Well, they should change that letter then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a... Or add a few more. I think, I think it's yeah. like a farmhouse-style yeast, so you're going to get a little funk to it. So they took, like, one of the wild strains and just domesticated it. But it's one that only lived in, like, pickled herring, so it's from mm, Norway. <laughs> tastes like real pickles. <laughs> and we should say these beers are uh, brought to us by our sponsors over Patreon. Wow, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. If you want to support the show like that, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub and get untold glorious things in return for a few bucks, like voting in our monthly book poll and having your name Early access to episodes. Two weeks early. Special patron-only bonus episodes. We are churning that shit out. Almost as much as the regular content. We might not have thought this through. No, we have not. you should check out. You don't even out. need to donate that much uh, you know, because, you know, it's, 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 it's very attainable, much like the mech suits in this book, which cost about $500,000 each, he said. Well, that was like the GDP of all of Africa at the time this book came out. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of the, we've talked about this before, like certain details yeah. in sci-fi books it's really just don't hold like, up. Careful there, apes, you know, that suit costs half a mil. Like, really? Wow, look out. <laughs> You're going to damage the tape deck in it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that, that scales. I think, you know, a, a non-mech suited infantryman, I think, takes like a quarter of a million dollars today. So I just slap on another quarter million of, uh, of armor on it and call it a day. It's economies of scale. It's, it's yeah, a dude it's with another dude on top of him, like a, like a matryoshka. <laughs> so it's two guys. That's science. And economics. So a non-mech infantry guy has a quarter million dollars of equipment? Or is that counting like Invested into him. That's what, uh, I mean, I heard that quote when I was a lowly cadet in the mid 2000s so uh, but that includes the housing future, yeah. To <laughs> yeah yeah that that includes like you know bus bus tickets getting that private you know to or plane tickets to basic training housing them initial uniform allowance all that stuff to get to the first unit so that's what i was told i, I think it might be a little bit overblown but it is also government contracting so the numbers aren't real because it's not real money true yeah it's your tax dollars hard at work do you want to say what branch of the what you're like what you did in the oh, yeah. military? I was a captain in the army. I was an infantry officer for my time. I did regular ROTC, uh, you know, out of a normal civilian college. Didn't go to a military academy or anything. So there are some uh, critiques on certain commissioning methods in this book that I will vehemently defend against <laughs> as we get there. Defend um, the book or defend okay. the techniques? Uh, defend the techniques because I, I think this is. Uh, Heinlein had a lot of good ideas, and I liked the man, but he has a, you know, and he was a naval officer who went to an academy. Mm. Um, but he, uh, yeah, there's some things here that are just like day one private level stuff. Yeah, that thing, like, things on, that man, mostly you, flew over our heads as non-military yeah. people. It was like, I don't know what anyone is talking about here. Yeah. It's just like the common, like privates, like, well, why, why should officers get to be officers first? If you know, uh, by the way, the three like enlisted Marines that listen to your podcast are really not going to like the things I say about the Marine Corps throughout all this. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Marines can't read. Th- that's true. That's why they're relying on this podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Jimmy made all those jokes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, send him feet pictures if you're married. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they will. They'll get weird. Oh, gross Marine feet. They all got They're wet webbed. <laughs> so webbed. Uh, okay, so getting back to the actual book. So uh, first is the battle scene, which was cool, and then it's it's Juan Rico or Johnny who's like graduates, and then he like it's a it's told through flashbacks. Yeah, his his friend is like, I'm going to join the military. You should too. Uh, and he goes, yeah, okay. But then he talks with his dad, and his dad is like, are you fucking crazy? So he goes... We're, we're going to go to Harvard, you dumb bitch. <laughs> You're going to join the family business making $80,000 a year. <laughs> we're so rich in the future. In the future, yeah. Uh, and then he goes to the um, recruiting station with his friend, though not intending to join up. And one of their female high school classmates is there, who's really hot, and is like, and she's like, I'm joining the military. And so the Johnny is like, take you know what? Me too. <laughs> she's going to make a pi- She's going to be a pilot because lady pilots are the best. Yeah. They have quicker reflexes and in, in space, your period doesn't matter. They can't smell the blood from uh, the atmosphere. <laughs> the bugs there are don't no mind. bears in space. That's true. <laughs> well, there are no female infantry in this world because, you know, when you're in a, a mech suit, yeah. I guess body strength still matters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And up until like three years ago, that was still true uh, for regular. So old he got that part almost right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you would think it doesn't matter. Like most of their training is for shit without the the suit, 
And then at one point they're like, dude, why are we learning how to throw a knife? Like we're in a fucking Western. And then the guy's like, you never know when you need a knife or some shit. And then they're like, but without the suit, you fucking die. Like you're on another planet. <laughs> we're in space. I was going to hold my breath and throw knives at him. <laughs> the suit might also have big knives. It can throw, but the knives are also atomic knives. <laughs> I feel like when this book came out, there's like one of the things of like every shitty sci-fi thing at this time was just everything was like the nuclear radio and the atomic (laughs) toaster, like everything. (laughs) Just put those words in front of it. So it will definitely toast your bread, but you will get cancer. Well, it was the (laughs) apparently the impetus to this book was I think it was Truman who 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 said we're not going to do any more nuclear testing. So Heinlein took offense to that, and he wrote this book in like three weeks to say like how awesome nukes would be mm-hmm. and what their tactical advantages would be. And we were, we were dumb for doing it without extracting that promise from the Russians. So that's, like the, that's why he always talks about how like awesome nuclear stuff is in here. This book is basically the equivalent of a long, rambling comment on an internet article <laughs> <laughs> with a kind loose of. frame of space marines. Yeah, yeah that's, that's about right. Though, like any long enough, rambling enough comment, sometimes it says stuff that kind of makes sense. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm not a military guy at all, but like some stuff, like that kind of. Sometimes clocks are right twice a day. You know, atomic clocks. exactly <laughs> twice a day. Atomic <laughs> clocks, yeah, they're per, they're right precisely twice a day, <laughs> every day at the same time. But uh, so anyway, next in the book is Johnny. He he's literally so dumb. He's disqualified from every specialty <laughs> except the infantry. So they send him to boot camp. I mean, that's really what it is. He, like, washes out of every single thing he wanted to do. He doesn't so even make like, oh. dog patrol. <laughs> uh, the canine dog. cops were too good he, for him. He with their, like, which, which was something they didn't go into very much, and I wanted them to, was every soldier in that unit gets a mutant hybrid dog man that does stuff, and then when it dies, they both have, neurolog- they both have emotional breakdowns and ha- need to be put into comas because they're so sad that they're life partner got blown up well if the guy dies they put the dog down instantly no questions mercy (laughs) yeah that's still true so so then um so then this is probably about the next quarter of the book is boot camp it was like uh watching a montage in slow motion like a training montage (laughs) called a regular scene at real time though (laughs) like you get to see every time they try to do something and then fail and then instead of it being one long, you know, 40-second 80s song. In, uh, I, I wrote this down. Chapter 7 begins, I'm not going to talk much more about my boot training. And then he talks about it for three more chapters. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's not how this works, Rob. But, you know, each one of those chapters kind of shows, you know, there's a different lesson in there. And he focuses on one aspect, like the guy that, that murders a girl. So, you know, they talk about how it shames the regiment and how they have to put their own dog down because that's what a man does, you know. So, you know, there's yeah. a lesson to be drawn there. And then, yeah, there, I guess that's part of, it, like, the stuff that as a non-military person I don't fully grasp, like the, the camaraderie unit kind of stuff that they, they harp on in that that section and then also when they get their well whoopings when they get lashed for like bullshit i believe it's pronounced whooping whoopings <laughs> so uh i mean they meet them some cool dude who's like the early army of space and he's like do we have any men here and that means come try to punch me in the face apparently <laughs> and then he beats the shit out of a bunch of guys and they're like all right cool now go run Except a lot the asian and guy who spaghetti. does ninja stuff 
Right. <laughs> and he's like, I trained with your father. He is a great sensei. <laughs> At his dojo. Yeah. That, that was the first part where I deviate from actual life. I'm like, all right, this is not a good sign of initial leadership. It's like, all right, who can hit me? It's like, no, there are other ways to establish authority in Sergeant Zim, but I'm, I'm going to let you do you for a little bit. We'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure it out as we go. Hey, Sergeant Zim, and then that goes on for a while, 800% too long, <laughs> is just them like running laps and then doing drills and then and him being hungry and sleepy a lot, which I guess is true. It, as they go through what, what is like space buds, essentially, they just <laughs> and and then I think like the first real thing that happens is when that guy um, was it Hendrix gets in trouble for uh, he wants to he gets in trouble for uh, fucking up the the drill where you're supposed to just lay in the mud for an hour. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, like, no, he 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 shoots a nuke too close where it would have hit one of their own guys in the fallout. That's well, no, that was Johnny. Away. That's Johnny. Johnny Before that. that, there's there's this oh, random right, guy. Right. Hendrix is the guy who uh, he, 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 gets, he he punches Zim. That's he punches right. Zim because okay. Zim hit him because he lay down on an ant hill and he didn't freeze, even though it was like there were a lot of ants. And it was like it doesn't matter. You lay down in them ants, boy. And it's like okay, and we're then fighting you know. the bugs. <laughs> but his guitar solos were still awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zim, Zim's absolutely right on that one. I get it. But then the other guy fucks it. Like, Zim's trying to kind of protect him because the guy's like, I want to quit. And they're like, go quit. You can't quit. You're fired. And like, it's a stupid <laughs> scene. And then he's like, and that's why I punched you. And then the other guy, like, I forget, major douchebag is like, Whoa? Captain Frankel. <laughs> and he's like, uh-oh, yeah. now we need the world's shortest court martial. And it's just like six seconds of like, he punched you? He did punch him. Ten lashes. And then everyone's like, oh, shit. And everybody yeah. faints. Yeah, that that part was, I, I actually liked that part a lot because, you know, things tend to drag on sometimes, but that was like, oh, this is intense. And like, there's been times where everyone knows in their life where someone in the military screws up and you're just like, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. And it's like, but, but, but no, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that either. But, you know, he said it in front of witnesses and this is a really militaristic society. So that guy's screwed. I believe that part. I've heard yeah. stories from people, like a friend of ours, uh, his brother, I want to say, was a Marine. He, someone in his, I don't know what the fuck it's called, barracks or bunk or some bullshit, got in tr- like, fucked up turning the light off when the guy said to, like in you know training, like lights out, and then, like he missed the light switch, and then like you know was a second and a half late with it, and then they made him stand there for two hours just turning it off and on again, <laughs> while like everyone yeah. else did push-ups or something stupid, like that. That's real. That sounds like Marine. Uh, th- that does sound like Marine boot. I mean, it could be Army boot camp too. I mean, one of the which I've later learned after you know having former drill sergeants that were you know my soldiers, and they're like they basically. I think they call the game "Come Here, Joe" because they call them like Private Joe, where it's just like they give you impossible tasks and increasing. If you keep doing them, they increase the tasks they give you and lessen the time to get it done because they want you to fail. They just want to see how you handle the failure. Hmm. So if you missed it, yeah, they were just looking to. They were just looking to, you know, smoke those guys for two hours and the light switch. Uh, good enough excuses any. If it wasn't that, it would have been, there's a crumb on the floor. Which crumb? The one, you know, put your face in it. Let's see. All right, now push up. Now push down. Now push up. Now push down. Like, they'll, they'll find it. What's the point of all that? Uh, to see how you handle adversity. All right. That's really what it comes down to and, and see how your emotional response. Oh, okay. They don't want to so give you like, a big gun if you're a whiny douchebag. Yeah. And also, like, which this book hits on heavily a lot, um, sleep deprivation training is huge in the Army because, or in the military in general, because if you can do it with no sleep, you can do it fine. 
like when you're when you're normal. So let's see how you can handle mission planning and going on missions with two hours of sleep after you just walked twelve miles today. Yeah, you can probably do it. And and combat is generally not as bad as training, which is kind of the point. Hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Let me let me let me preface that. I was not in the invasion. <laughs> I heard the invasion in two thousand three was pretty bad, so well, yeah, that makes sense. Well, in, in that the, was not me. In this book, they de- they definitely harp on that they are trying to break these people to get them, if they're not good enough, to just fucking leave. They're not interested in keeping people around who are not good enough or who don't want it enough. So, like, by the end of it, after like a bunch of people die during boot camp and all this shit, they said there were thousands of people in his class and 187 actually graduate. Yeah, that's an insane attrition. I think I wrote it down just because it's, it's like our, our hardest school in the army is like 33% is what we consider hard. And that, that was, it was like 2009 to like 187. I think you're right. Oh, I also love, if, if you'll indulge me one more, where they, they talk about in training when they start doing battles, they, they add one out of every 500 bullets are real. Yeah. I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Because really, if you're like, it will t- make you take it seriously psychologically. It's like, ah, do I really want to risk this? It could be the 500th bullet. Nothing says it's going to be the 500th out of 500. It could be two out of 500. And they're, they threat to, to drop it from like, you know, one to 100. Yeah, you'll, you'll take it seriously. Well, I, I, I get the sense that more than a normal amount of people died in training than in the real world. Yes. <laughs> I believe in during the Second World War, I, I read this book that was about a real real book take, takes place during uh, the uh, Air Force training. And, and at the beginning of the war, the planes they were flying, the B-24 Liberator, was so bad that more pilots died in training than were actually shot down by the Japanese. So it was uh, during, during that time, yeah, basic training was very dangerous. So that was actually that flying, yeah. flying yeah. a very rickety airplane. So that is like really dangerous. In this book, it was just they died getting lost in the mountains or they got a boo-boo or something. I don't know. They didn't really tell how yep. a lot of them died, just those two that got that died when they were like, cross that mountain. Like, okay. I mean, training deaths do happen. There's the army has the national training center. And I believe the risk assessment officially, it's like all the brigades go through it. And like two soldiers are allotted to die during that training. Like they don't, they're, they're not trying to, but most of the deaths occur from sleep deprivation, vehicle rollovers, things like that. And like, you, it's not very often, but like through Army Ranger School, you hear that like once every other year, every three years, someone dies because of hypothermia or something like that. So they do happen, but not to the regularity. Like this is a, a eight month period, I think, in the book and, and three people die like every week. Yeah, that's a little, <laughs> that's a little high. <laughs> That's a Quite. little high, especially when the pool is so small that actually make it to that point. It's like, yeah, you might want to look at your attrition uh, rates there, guy. Well, the bugs don't look at that. Well, that true. is Filthy a big part of this book is a lot of the stuff that they keep talking about. This is, this is a political essay disguised as a sci-fi book. And a lot of the critiques this book gets is that people say it is pro-fascist. I don't know if it's pro-fascist. It's definitely like flirting with it. Maybe it'll give it a handy I don't in the know. bathroom. 
<laughs> you, I, I would. I was thinking a lot about that, and I would say if you're looking for it, it is kind of in there. But it's a different question as to whether Heinlein himself was advocating for something. Yeah, like I, that I don't think it but was that. Was he exploring that idea? I think it's at least partially in there. But I also think you have to consider he's writing this in the, the height of the Cold War, and he's yeah. glorifying yeah, the military, which was like our that and putting you know primates into space was like our only <laughs> way of, of fighting the russians so well, we hadn't even gotten to that yet yeah we were, <laughs> we were still just trying to figure out how many inches of thermometer we could fit in an astronaut's asshole <laughs> real thing like who is this? john glenn was he the first american in space he had like a yeah. seven inch thermometer in his ass <laughs> not exaggerating go it's in, in the, the right they stuff it? they talk about it, the right stuff is up there <laughs> That's why New Kids in the Block were always singing about the right stuff. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but the military was like a thing. Merrick, well, first of all, we had like just, I mean, I don't know, really know too much about the Korean War, quite honestly. I think it's more of like a, a, like a, we didn't lose, but we certainly didn't win situation. Whereas World War II, we kicked all sorts of ass, at least in the you know, official story of it, that who wouldn't be pro military in the 1950s, in 1950s America? You know, like. Certainly. But I don't think it's yeah, especially if it's fifty nine. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I don't think this is like a position thing. On like this is, we all have to become fascists. I think that people can justify that, or at least see that he's giving it a lot of. In this world, at least, I don't know if he himself, but in this world, he certainly isn't talking about it as though it's a bad thing, and he does have several things about why democracy is bad in this yeah. world. I don't know if it's his exact views. Maybe it is. Or at least, you know, he's taking it to like, this is what is required of us to get through the situation we are in now, which is communism. But See, I think it's definitely militaristic. I mean, 100%. I mean, no one can deny that. It's a work of military science fiction. But, yeah. you know, the first thing, if you Google this book, you see fascism. And that was partially because that's what Paul Verhoeven, who made the movie, kind of viewed it as. But, I mean, even some supporters of the book say like oh well you have to earn the franchise through military service i i I thought the book was very clear in several examples it's like look it's your right to serve like if you're blind and in a wheelchair we'll we'll have you count caterpillars by touch like we'll do whatever it's your right so that's very egalitarian so i don't think you have the right to sign up but you don't have the right to choose what they put you in no so but it's your right to serve and earn the franchise can be sent to the military if you don't want to. It's not your choice. You can choose to sign up and like, I hope I get to be a test subject on Jupiter. And they're like, nope, you're going to become a <laughs> You're not Marine. smart enough for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't test out atmosphere. Yeah. But they even say like later on in the book, like, you know, in peacetime, like most of the people that earn the franchise earn it from the non-combat auxiliary corps. Like it's just not doesn't necessarily have to be military. So no. I think that's where... But it is a essentially a totalitarian government run by the military or military-adjacent people, run by the party. Yeah. yeah. And you have to There's join party. the party and serve the party to participate. Is that quite the same thing as totalitarianism, to say that you have to be a veteran to vote? Because that's what it is, right? You have to be, yeah, a veteran. be a veteran. A veteran I don't know of, if that's quite the service. same thing as totalitarianism. Yeah. But, I mean, the government that they run is... Basically totalitarianism. How? The people it's who not don't like serve the... can live any sort of life. You could be extremely wealthy. You could do whatever you want. The only thing you can't do is vote. So like you are, your rights are limited in a sense. But it's not like when we think of totalitarianism, we think of Yes, it's Stalin's not like they're not Soviet genociding Union. people. Well, we don't know what happened. Cause Just they, bugs. It, it, yeah, they're, they, are, they are genociding they bugs. bugs. And, the, and the skinnies. 
uh, who are they? <laughs> who they're blowing up in the beginning of the book, which is like the for like alien. no reason. <laughs> it's like know your place. They say, they say later on they want to blow them up so that they'll join the humans instead of joining the bugs. So if they blow, sounds them up, like, like oh. Cold War era politics. I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah. exactly the kind of crap we did. <laughs> and I like how the book like. I was like, it Tarantino's itself. Like, it starts in the middle where they're fighting the skinnies, and then it goes back to normal. Maybe, maybe they invented Tarantinoing. I'm going to give Heinlein the credit, too. <laughs> I think in media res has been a thing for a long time. What the flash? Yeah, that sounds like a right term. <laughs> but, it's, but not with flash, <laughs> like with the then, you know, 5% action, 80% flashback, and reminiscing about the time you had to polish your boots. And the, proper order, to, the proper order to eat dinner on a ship. Oh, yeah. So halfway through the book, halfway through, he goes through all of boot camp, and then he reveals, oh, yeah, so we're at war with these alien bug things. It's not even, like, explained in the beginning or even, the, the, like, the first half of the book. Suddenly we're at, and, and that they actually kind of go through a battle, and they're, they, that, which does not go well. But anyway, I have a beer for that. This is called Whole Lot of Galaxy <laughs> by Smutty Nose. Mm, very nice. This is a double IPA with Galaxy Hops, 7.8% alcohol. Mm, it's very nice. Very juicy and sweet. Mm, just like you. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> Galaxy is one of the go-to hops for New England IPAs. It has that really juicy flavor. It's a super expensive hop, too. Well, this is out of this world, so oh, shit. I'll drink it. <laughs> Well played, sir. God waka, waka. <laughs> anyway, they have to they have to travel across the galaxy, like or or sixty several light years galaxies or something like that, to who fight their battle against the bugs on their one of their planets. Because they're big meanies, they hate the bugs just because they're bad. Yes, it's very so very cold war because they're bad, <laughs> and because yeah. they nuked Buenos Aires, and by nuked I mean they actually sent an asteroid to hit Buenos Aires because fuck Buenos Aires. It doesn't, it don't have a reason It's for plot reasons. They really don't like waxed vaginas. So they're like, fuck Brazil. <laughs> you ruined it. Buenos Aires is in Argentina. Whatever. They missed. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like tango music. <laughs> they, uh, they don't like, um, anything Eric from Ipanema. <laughs> But they, I think Ipanema is in Brazil. That is in Brazil yeah, for sure. Brazilian. I got my. I, I figured it out. Uh, <laughs> they. I like the word they use repeatedly. Is they smeared Buenos Aires, and all I could think of was like pap smears. Like what kind of what does that mean? The asteroid hit Earth. It. it didn't cause a crater. It just landed softly and then just wiped itself across the surface. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a skid mark, <laughs> <laughs> like a dog <laughs> with, with worms. Yeah, <laughs> but it's but it spread. They are uh, cold bugs. Holy shit. <laughs> But I do like you're talking about how this is like clearly like 1950s, like Cold War era. There are a couple like you're comparing the bugs to commies. I mean, that's like he says it straight up like, oh, I suppose if you're bred for communism, it actually works. Like that's like a backhanded compliment yes. to commies, I guess. It's like, yeah, if you're an alien bug, like it works. You're born. They're and born then, by the thousands, but we have to train one man to do these things. But they are just born this way. There was also one quote about, like, no Department of Defense ever won a war. Check the history books. And I'm like, I feel like that's a recent thing that just happened that he's criticizing. <laughs> well, that was this whole thing, right? You, you win wars by, it sounds like the kind of thing like a fucking sports coach would say, like, you win by offense, not by, you know, the best defense is a good offense kind of thing. And uh, See, normally I agree with you, but I am a, a, a father now who lives in the suburbs, so I have to tell you that defense wins championships. 
I'm going to trust you on the sports so fuck stuff. fuck you, Robert. Hein <laughs> <Yeah>. line. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with him. Violence solves everything here. Especially in, in the burbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I went to my neighbor's house with a shotgun the other day, and like now I have his house too. It's, it's amazing how it happens. Like I just doubled my property size. It's crazy. Yeah, it works. It definitely works. <laughs> yeah. That's why people do it. Yeah. It's also why they drink beers. <laughs> I have a beer for something. This beer is probably going to be a lot better than the last one because it's fresh. This is this relates a couple different ways, and I'm not trying to support communism, but it's called people power, and uh, <laughs> it is from Evil Twin Brewing NYC, and it is a double dry hopped IPA at 7.2 percent alcohol that uses Citra, Sabro, and Idaho Seven hops. And, I noticed uh, you uh, put another beer called People Power by a different brewery. Is this like a thing that they're all doing? It is a thing. We actually, it's a thing that's been happening for a couple years now. Uh, the brewers, uh, I th- we learned about it at Finback. Eric told us about it at some point. They all have to just make a beer and call it People Power, and they have to give some percentage of the proceeds to the ACLU. Okay. So this is Evil Twins. I don't think they made it last year. So you year. are supporting communism. I mean, I'm supporting <laughs> beer, and what they do with their money is their business. Uh, it's great. I mean, Sabro Hops have this super like honeydew melon kind of flavor and smell, so it's a really great change for the new england style ipa thing where it's you know as opposed to the citrusy flavors you get from other ones it's really great they make a good hummus too Sopro. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> nice hummus beer you know what we've had weirder beers yeah that's true it might not be bad It'd be a little it can't little be good <laughs> no, it would be different uh, you have to dip it's like, that. you know what this beer needs? More garlic. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this has been missing this whole time. Just muddle that in there. Let's call it good. You know, I, I like garlic. I, I, I would try a garlic beer. I would try one. Yeah. I I, what would, what, what would, maybe if you like, it might I don't burn know. a little. I don't know, like maybe if it's a complimentary flavor to something else. I don't know. There, there's actually a, some brewery, I forget where it makes a pizza flavored beer, you know, so all that. We had that pastrami one that we bring up every time we talk about the worst beer we've ever had. We had that, like, salad beer. <laughs> oh, the basil one. The basil yeah. beer? Yeah. Oh, God. And those were both, what, on the same episode, right? I think those were the same drunken same night. Day. Those were not the same episode. Same night. Okay. Yeah. Oof. God. I'd block that one yeah. out. Well, this beer is quite excellent. So it <laughs> doesn't, have, doesn't have that issue. So then they're fighting the bugs. They have a battle where they get their asses handed to them, but they call it like a, we sort of won because we didn't all Strategic die. Strategic victory. Yeah. And, uh, well, his ship and another ship collide in orbit, but it's after he's been shot out. And who was driving sh- those uh, ships? Shot mate? out of the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Guess they're not better pilots after all. So uh, then, yeah, most of them die. And they're at this point when they're in the, like, what do they call like, that stupid name? Like Rascals, Rascals, or something. Razcheks Roughnecks. Yeah, yeah. It's Rascheks Polish, Roughnecks. so it's probably and, like and put some respect like, on that name. That's that's why they uh, crashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you hear about the uh, the Polish space program? They, they were like you they know America. No, no, that's that's the submarine. That's the Polish Navy. That that's the Italian Navy. <laughs> uh, the no, the Polish Polish uh, you know space program. They're like you know America put the first man on the moon. We're going to put first man on the sun. <laughs> and scientists were like, that's fucking ridiculous. Like, you'll burn up before you even get close. And like, no, we're going to go at night. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's what the moon is. It's just the sun at night. <laughs> 
so I, I will say before they before they drop, they kind of describe that the first unit that Johnny gets him to talk about like the skull earrings and how many like uh, crossbones you have on the earring is how many combat drops that you've had and like little tokens like that this really that start to get dangly and dangerous. Well, I mean, that's just how fabulous you are. You got like 37 <laughs> drops. I mean, it's just, you're a boss at that point. But I mean, that's, those little things like that are, are 100% illustrative of like the military. Each unit has their own culture and things that you have to earn before you get there. And only like the dumb rook won't know to not ask that question. And Yeah, and, he, uh, hey, he sees a guy yeah. with this, hey, that's a really cool earring, dude. Where do you get it? He's like, when the time comes, I'll show you where to buy it. Yeah. It's like, you can't, if you have to ask, can't afford it. <laughs> And then, uh, then he eventually gets one, but then he goes to a different unit, and they don't wear earrings. Like, all right, not doing that anymore. We just wear cock yep. rings here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, they go to that unit, Radchek's Roughnecks, and, you know, and Radchek is the, uh, it's like God's gift to being a lieutenant, and, you know, I have a beer for that. Nice. This is called Lieutenant America. <laughs> <laughs> is, nice. He is the lieutenant. Wow, that's really, that's He is the on. lieutenant. He's <laughs> yeah. a shorter, floppier version of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the, you know, he's character. a little bit flabbier. This guy, you know, he 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 not quite made captain yet. You know, he's got some work to do here, but uh, you know, he's trying. <laughs> very hard. the picture this on is, the can because this is, a, am, this is an audio medium. This, uh, is a yeah, is this, a sad little Captain America. Yeah, just so you know, I, I have made it halfway through my uh, Black Ops Ooh. before I opened this one, so that probably would explain that lapse of judgment. But <laughs> hey, whatever, we're gonna keep going with it. Yeah, but it's from uh, Kings County Brewers Collective and from Brooklyn. And, uh, Mike, you'll have to tell me what all these things mean on the can. It's a double dry hopped IPA with Citra Yukonat Motuka, Motuka. Motuka, Motuka and Zappa hops with oat sweets and barley. 7.2%. Mm. I don't know what's the last one. Zappa? Like Frank Zappa? Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's spelled. They're just making up names. So I guess they can choose whatever they want. Yeah. Well, I know Citra has a, you know, citrus flavor. It's, it's pretty well named, you know. A point, uh, point on the point there. Uh, name then the uh, Yukina and Motuka are also sort of tropical fruity flavors. I would assume Zappa is too. KCBC makes a lot of the same kind of that style of beer. Yeah, it's definitely you know hoppy up front, definitely citrusy, and then it does kind of mellow out. It tastes like almost oatmeal. Like it, <laughs> you really taste the oats. You know, it's um, it's okay. I'll say it's okay. It is the opposite of your bourbon stout. Which is the best thing ever. What's the percentage on that thing? Uh, 7.2. Oh, I see, that barely compares. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how to explain Lieutenant America. <laughs> and the best I can think of, if you, if you remember wrestling in the 90s, he looks like Dink the Clown. And then there was Doink the Clown. Do you remember those characters? <laughs> no. Like, Doink was the stupid clown guy. And then he had a, a, like a little person that <laughs> came out with him sometimes. That was Dink. <laughs> Like okay. the tiny version of him. <laughs> and that's kind of what Lieutenant America looks like. It looks like Lieutenant America looks like Captain America before he gets the serum. <laughs> Fair. Fair assessment. He looks kind of shaped like a bowling pin, though. I was going to say he looks like Jeff Sessions, but he kind of <laughs> 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 does. Kind of does, yeah. So uh, they fight the bug war battle. They kind of lose. The ladies crash his, the planes. His unit gets wiped out almost. And then they all get distributed to other ones, and he has to learn that you don't wear earrings there. And then, like, but I just got a nice, sensible patch, pair of matching heels. <laughs> and then he eventually is like, you know what? I'm going to be a career soldier because I forget how long they say in the beginning, like their term of service is like two years or something like that, or three yeah, years. Two. And he's like, I'm going to be a career. And then 
everyone's like, I knew you had it in you, kid. And then, like, that part was kind of missing in the rest of the story, you know. Except for like, he, he has the flashbacks of his high school teacher, Stumpy, who was there. <laughs> the I forget what his what he taught. Was like he moral taught philosophy. history and moral philosophy, where they did not learn much of either. He just kind of expl- it was like a, a propaganda class to explain yeah. why the order worked the way it did. Why communism well, is bad. <laughs> There, that's actually based on something kind of that's real because class. I think, well, uh, in uh, especially, well, at least in the '60s, this is what my parents have said: is that they both had to 17, take a class 60s. in high school. <laughs> they both had to take a class that was that was essentially called "Why Communism Is Wrong." This is like just that's what standard everyone in, has, in high school had to take, and this really reminded me of that. And if we kept that class in the curriculum today, the world wouldn't be the way it is right now. There you go. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't standardize test for that though. So uh, they can't teach it anymore. Yeah, Pearson didn't have a module. For that. <laughs> that would be communist. <laughs> Nate, are you sure you weren't taking a class about like why we lost the French American French Indian War? Like it, from the colonist perspective, are you sure it was? You're taking why Rome burned? Well, well we won that war. So uh, no, see, I, yeah. you uh, fell for the bait. See, I you was were there. there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we, we actually it's called the, the Seven fr- Years' War. <laughs> it's the French that surrendered that war. What a shock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 1763, look it up. It was the Seven Years' War that actually took nine years, right? It was the best of times. It, it was, was the metric years. Metric. <laughs> but, Mike, to your point earlier, before we move on, I just think this is one of those military things that you might not have noticed when he was going by. Probably. Like, when they oh, uh, certainly, <laughs> yeah. When they convinced him, he's like, "Oh, he convinced him to go career." You know, he takes him out for a drink. You know, buys him. You know, gets him. You know, juiced up because the guy doesn't drink. And uh, he's like, "Oh, you should buck for you know officer." And he's like, "And then I went to my commander's office, and he had the paperwork all drawn up." How did he know? And it's like, well, dude, they they conspired, man. Like they were like they were talking up the young guy. They planned like, that. Yeah, you can do this, bro. Like totally do it. You think? Yeah, go do. They did a very similar thing or same result. When he joins up, the guy's like, uh, you kids, none of you kids are good enough to join. You can't make anything of yourselves. You're just dumb kids. And kids, being an 18-year-old douchebag, are like, well, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And he's like, well, I'm yeah. going to join. It's like, you're, no, I don't think you're pretty weak, kid. It's yeah. like, I'm going to fucking join and show you. Like, all right. That's still the Marine Corps recruiting model, and it pains me to give the Marine Corps any credit for anything. But it's like, <laughs> if you ever watch an Army commercial, it's like, join the Army. We'll give you tools to get a civilian job later. The Marine Corps is like, hey, kid, you want to fight a dragon? Too bad, not good enough. <laughs> 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 Only we oh. fight dragons because you suck. And it's like, well, the, I'm 18, and I can fight a dragon if I want. You, can, you can't tell me what to do. I'm, I am joining the Marines. It and I'm like, fucking yeah. works. It does. Well, they're looking for a certain type of person, I guess, right? You know, someone who's going to like... The Marines definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, sign this paper. Just just make it. Just, just draw it. Make a your mark. <laughs> make your mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like there, there was a really long oath, like in chapter two, like when they're going back, like the, you know, how they joined the, the service. It's like, well, you have to be, you know, mentally capable of understanding the oath. I'm like, well, most Marines are out there. I mean, that's just it. <laughs> that oath is way too long. <laughs> But I am picking on the Marines a lot because Heinlein did go to the Naval Academy, which that's how you become a Marine officer because, you know, the uh, Marines are just a part of the Navy. So all of his experiences that he's talking about, like, Army-ish things are really the, Marine uh, the things. the acronym you taught me, what Marines stand for. Well, there's two. There's either Muscles Are Required, Intelligence Not Essential, sir. Oh, I didn't know that and, one. And <laughs> or My Ass Rides in Navy Equipment, sir. So, you know, those are, those are one or two. 
And, and again, to, to the three Marines listening right now, Army stands for ain't ready for the Marines yet. So, okay, let, got that one out of the way. <laughs> huh. Why is there an inter-Marine Army uh, it's, it's, just, it's basically just like, isn't it just alpha bro hazing? Or like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like Band of Brothers, yeah, where you just fight your brother all the time. I mean, the real answer is that the Marine Corps hasn't had a mission for about 70 years, and they have to justify their existence constantly. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm really angering them now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're but their real purpose they actually do have one is like if a navy ship gets boarded, think like 1850. <laughs> the sailors have to still pilot the ship, and then the marines have to fight the guys off the deck and say, "You get back on your ship." So that's where marines really came from. Actually, um, it's more like 1807. Like yeah. Battle off of Tripoli in the Barbary Coast. They're like, yeah. oh, that's actually where they, where they came from. Yeah. They picked the guys that could reload a musket in under two minutes. Like, You're the most <laughs> yeah. badass guy we have. <laughs> <laughs> and now the uh, Marines will say that they are the amphibious uh, experts. You know, they, they can establish that beachhead. And if you really want to make a Marine angry, you ask them where they were on the largest amphibious assault in history, which is D-Day. Um, they were nowhere. My <laughs> unit, the 1st Infantry Division, was on the beaches. So Ooh. what's up, Marine Corps? <laughs> Ouch. They have done. I have this Iwo conversation Jima. a lot, guys. I'm sorry. They, they have done. There's an amazing. I mean, I, I really don't give a fuck about which one, but like they're they're they've done a very good job, and maybe completely warranted that the Marines have the reputation. There's a reputation of being like badasses, and like like there's like the Army Rangers. That's apparently like real hardcore shit. But then for whatever reason, and I have no, I mean, actually, I actually have no reason to believe this other than I've just been indoctrinated to. The Marines, like, but the Navy SEALs are probably tougher. Like, that's what you're supposed like. They have Hell Week, you know. They just the Army yeah. guys just watch Shark Week. Like, that's like not even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're all every branch and every unit has their own PR department, which you know uh, does a very good. I mean, the Marine Corps have a fantastic PR department. They actually got convinced the New York Times to change their editorial standard to capitalize the M in Marines, which is usually only done in, in intra-service uh, writing where you capitalize the S for soldier, M for Marine. But the, so you'll see an article in the New York Times where the M is capitalized, like, oh, Marines and soldiers, and the S and soldiers will not be because the Marines complained so hard that the New York Times finally capitulated um, when it came to that. So they have a very good PR department. They'll, they'll tell you, like, oh, we're good, just as good as Army Rangers. I'm like, well, you're, you're, you're not, though. It's kind <laughs> of know, just whatever. like East versus West Coast <laughs> rap, where everybody's just talking very shit much. to sell albums. Absolutely. I mean, we all got each other's back. But you can still make Except fuck that Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> Coast Guard. Not even or in the Space Department Force. Of <laughs> you know, I, I've had it explained to me by, uh, I used to take guitar lessons from a guy who was a, uh, I want to say Marine, but I'm not sure. He's in the Marine in the Army. And one of those fucking, you know, <laughs> fucking guys. Basically the same thing. <laughs> and then he was like, and I, was, I made some shitty you know, crack about the Coast Guard. And he was like, hey man, let me tell you something about the Coast Guard. And it was, he said, his point was, you know, when you're in the army or the Marines, like you get deployed and you go into like hot shit, but like you kind of know that that's hap- like that's what you're doing, that's your mission. Whereas the Coast Guard, like every single day, those motherfuckers could see some actual shit, even though most of the time it's like them yelling at kids on jet skis, but they could actually <laughs> fucking hit like find like a boat of drug traffickers and have to like shoot them out and shit like that. So every day there, there is the same level of risk, it's yeah. just pretty low. Whereas the Marines, like, or the Army, like, he, I think it was the Army now that I'm thinking about it further. It's like 99% of the time is boring. Like you're just kind of sitting yeah, around doing like nothing. Book. 
<laughs> Heinlein nailed it. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Speaking of that. But there's a great video if you want to look for it, uh, just to that point, because everyone talks back about the Coast Guard until you find out what they are, and then you get mad jelly, and then you stop making fun of them because like, because <laughs> their active duty posts are like New York, San Francisco. You know, they're, they're in actual port cities that are important and that you can be stationed there and make military money. Not, just like, like, uh, not like when you were in station in Manhattan, Kansas. Manhattan can't the little apple the little apple so I, you know <laughs> that really that's awesome oh it's absolutely a thing it's it's awesome uh, there's the little apple brewing company there that's good if you're ever there stop by the chef cafe tell them Alex sent you <laughs> you know it's because apparently the story is that they're like a ship going down the river just like capsized and they're like it was a bunch of New York bankers who like funded the trip and they're like oh this is Manhattan now <laughs> <laughs> to your uh, to your point of nothing ever happening. This beer is called, wait for it. <laughs> I spritzed a little. This is from Torsion Crown also. It is a Deepa. And it is... I don't like music. That's Dua Lipa. Um, yeah, but like, it's not like a Jennifer Lewis became J-Lo. I'm just, I just call her Deepa. Just shortening it. This one's a little bit more... Um, maybe a little bit more bitter. A little bit more kind of like a bitter melony kind of thing. Not like Melanie Griffith, like Melon-esque. She's probably bitter. Her career's kind of done. <laughs> ah, I mean, she doesn't have to do anything and she's rich. She's fine. She'll live. Or she won't. Is she dead? No, she's alive. Just, 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 just financially. But, uh... And inside. This is also good. I like this one, too. I like them both. A rare time when both are good, though they are essentially the same beer. <laughs> Slightly different flavor profile, but they are both Torch and Crown double IPAs. That's in the Bronx, you said? Torch and Crown, I believe it is the Bronx... Uh, I'm pretty... Nope, it's actually in Manhattan, dude. Is it really? I was yeah. wrong then. I'll t- I'll, I'll, I will admit it. Where the fuck are they in Manhattan? They can't have, they can have their, their stuff on site. There's a lot of space. Oh, shit, they deliver in NYC. Shit. They're uh, pretty good. They were established in 2018. It's on Van Damme Street, so that's way the fuck down there. It's in Soho. Oh, Soho. There's no fucking room for a brewery there. Well, it's probably the... I mean, I don't they know. brew off-site? I don't know. Probably. But why would you have a fucking tap room in Manhattan? Soho, the man. amount of money that must cost her at that space. And then you're still having a, another space in, like, you know, Westchester or something? Or you actually Who make the fuck knows. But they're good. Prestige. That's why. You're in Manhattan. Well, you know, I was actually, I, I was at that thing for work. And I was, I was, I was trying to find, like, a beer store if I can. And there was nothing, I was in, there was nothing around in Manhattan. Like, not even, like, good beer stores down there. I was like, God damn it. You know, and I guess there's a, a opening for it. Yeah. If they, or if they deliver, maybe I'll have they, to they, they started, um, I started, I mean, I'm getting, I've been getting these a lot lately because for these episodes, because they sell at the beer store by me and they fit and they're usually, I've never had a bad one. Some of them are just like, oh, it's fine, but they're good. So props to you. We had, I forgot what episode it was, but it was like one of their first ever beers we had. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. The inaugural mm-hmm. beer. Yeah. All right, so there's like long speeches about. There's a, we we skipped the part where uh, Johnny runs into his father. I think it's after he applies for the. This this thing. is like literally he's getting off his ship to go to officer school, and the person getting on the ship pretty much to take his place is his father, who joined the Space Marines, or mechanized infantry, infantry or mobile infantry, mobile infantry, mobile infantry. Mobile yeah. infantry after he did. Fulfilling Johnny's dream of proving his father wrong. 
Yeah, we kind of skipped that when he... Oh, we don't talk about this. Yeah, we did. His yeah, father, did. like, forsook him, and then the mother would write letters, like, your father can't even, like, won't let me say your name. <laughs> <laughs> and then his mom gets wiped out in Buenos Aires, though. And he just assumed that dad would, was killed, too. No, he hoped. He's like, I don't know. I don't know how fast my old Filipino dad can run. He's probably just playing <laughs> Boggle, which is apparently what all Filipino people do. <laughs> what? I've been told that by a Filipino person. They were like, oh, yeah, Boggle is like the national sport of the Philippines. Like, Boggle? That fucking dumb With the words? Where you game? spell the yeah. words? Okay. Yeah. All right. I was taking a class. We had to, like, teach each other some dumb shit. And this Filipino girl, or Filipina, I suppose, she's taught us how to play Boggle. She's like, if you ever date a Filipino person, just play Boggle with them, and they'll go nuts. <laughs> and, All right. Noted, I guess. Weird. Okay. Or she was like, white people won't fucking know. And she made it up. Which I want to believe. <laughs> These are more. equally <laughs> equally possible. Also possible. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a weird. They'll one. have no way of knowing. <laughs> All right. So he meets his dad, and the dad's like, "I'm so proud of you," because now the dad's been getting his ass handed to him at training, and he's like a doughy old man who's like forty. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's some part, you know, and and I've read this book like ten times, and I forget details of it every time I go through it, and. I'm just like, how would this this like 40 year old man make it through basic training? And they kind of talk about it in this part. When but he meets women him, like, wouldn't. <laughs> he still doesn't get his period, Nate. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You know, because they are in the remote wilderness. They got to worry about bears. They say it's North Canada. Okay, like there's definitely bear country out there. But it's talking about his dad is like, oh, you know, but there are sergeants my age. You know, you think I'm like a crusty old man? I can't keep up. And in my mind, I'm like, well, the military career kind of like progresses like they expect you to be like 18 when you start and by the time you're like 38 39 you're kind of not digging trenches anymore like doing all that stuff you're you're managing if you've been in for that long either you're an officer you're a sergeant major or you know a senior nco at that point you're like yeah i understand what he's saying it's like the old guys can still do it but to go through that basic training when you're 40 would be I mean, hey, he, he was dedicated. He was he inspired he by trying to defeat communism. Oh, that would, you, you can move mountains if you can do that. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. And I, and I did find some of the book. I'm like, really? His dad's going to like his unit? Like that's, even in today's army, like that would be weird. But then they explained it away. It's like, oh, he like basically pays off the, the placement sergeant. I'm like, oh, okay, that was totally happening. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, believable. Now, the fact that you consider that, Mr. Heinlein, okay, I'm, I'm back in. I was out. I'm in now. So there's, uh, just to go through with the rest of the plot, so he goes to, the main character, Johnny, goes to officer school, and it's like a more of the philosophy part of the book, except it's a different person talking about it now. And but he's still saying the exact same things. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, is, this was a very important part different. In, in one way. You yeah, can what? only graduate if your history and moral philosophy teacher passes you, like there's no test, you just, they have to choose the people that pass based on their grasp of the material, kind of ensuring that no one that believes anything different ever makes it to higher ranks or the upper echelons of society. Yeah, I mean, some mm-hmm. of that makes sense. Like, they have to, like, not not in the, the, the fascist, you know, way, but it's also like, they want to make sure you're of the moral character they want yeah. to lead soldiers. Which, I mean, that's a huge part of, at least for me, it was like cadet training. It's like making sure that you're the, the right kind of guy. I mean, the, when I first, I mean, I, I'll go off a tangent quick, but like 
I wanted to try out ROTC when I first started. So I told like the recruiting officer, I'm like, you know, I just want to try it for like a, you know, six months to see if, see if it's for me. And he's like, okay, I mean, we make officers here. If you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. So sure. Try it up. You don't have to sign anything. And I was like, wait, we're like, are you guys scamming me? I'm like, no, that's absolutely true. And I, I took that kind of with me from that moment on. That was like my second interaction I had with the guy. So it makes sense in their world. So, okay, there's, uh, he goes through officer school, and which takes a while, and then he's shipped out for his, re- first, uh, his first battle as an officer, where he's commanding a platoon. But first, he's, he's got to uh, spend a lot of time having organized dinners and learning math on a spaceship. With, with his tutor <laughs> yes. angel. <laughs> yep. He has to take his math books with him, because they let him go. For the, on this deployment, but he still has to do all this math homework. <laughs> they got they got to make sure he's still good to go. <laughs> they might have to solve for X. <laughs> <laughs> you never know with these bugs. So they go yeah. and fight the bugs on some random planet in this whole thing that they're going to try and capture one of the brain bugs or whatever. One of the queens, I guess. No, it's, it's one a of the brain, brain bug. Yeah, because the, the, brain the bugs are... have a hive mind. Can I just say, during this like battle, during this scene... Doesn't Johnny, doesn't he argue with every single order he's given? It's like, go over here and do this. And he's like, but sir, we can't do that because I'll listen to what I'm telling you. You're going to go over here and do that. And he's like, okay, does it. Then he gets another order. And then he like, argues, but sir, we can't do that because blah, blah, blah. What if, and they, no, sir, he just argues with every single order. And it's like, wow, really? Is, is that what the military is like? When you're so, an officer, you just argue with your commander about every <laughs> single tiny little thing. <laughs> Not necessarily, so, but I did. I actually did during have a, a battle, by the way. <laughs> during a battle, it's yeah. not just like you're at dinner talking. So, uh, I, I had something for this. Hold on, wait, wait. oh, did you? Yeah, so, um, Johnny goes to OCS and then he does his third lieutenant, um, because he's hoping to become a hop commander. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> because all this book talks about being on the bounce because they're they're when they're in their powered suits, they're you know basically leaping miles at a time <laughs> in between it's very uh, far. Ups and downs. And so very far. So it's a Hop Commander IPA from Captain Lawrence Brewing Company. Six and a half percent alcohol by volume. And um, they don't put the types of hops it is. I guess it's just really hoppy. Captain Lawrence is usually pretty so uh, standard, middle, like yeah. West Coast IPAs kind of stuff, where it's just like old school, where it's, they're not really looking to get the flavor out of, you know, like a, the dry hopping technique. They just said, let's make this bitter. It's like an old timey thing. Yeah. Well, actually, they do have the, they do have and some. They have the Dark Doom now, such as Galactic Fog. Uh, We've had yeah, Space Fog. That's like their their series mm-hmm. of New England IPAs. But they're kind of they're still like okay at best in the the world of in my opinion of the world of New England IPAs. Yeah. yeah. This one they just say it's the ultimate hop harvest. So that's debatable. A little bit of everything, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. if you've had a Goose <laughs> Island, you, you've had a Hop Commander. I don't mean that pejoratively. Like I, sometimes you want a Goose Island. Yeah. It's a little bit, bit more bitter than, than a Goose Island IPA, if you had to draw the comparison. But it's essentially the same flavor palette. Standard, kind of. Yeah. But uh, you know what Nate's point before I, I opened up the Hop Commander, it's, the military sometimes, at least for officers, is more of a leadership by consensus. There's the, the idea of like the rigid, like, you will do this, or Roger, sir, yes, sir. It's like, it's... It can be in like combat scenarios, like where there's no time. But if you're formulating a battle plan, like there is input from everyone, because for many reasons, mm-hmm. one, you need buy-in. People, if they help create a plan, they help 
want they want it to succeed because that's that's part of what they put in there and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have all the answers you're just one person um so if the captain says hey i want something and me i go to my platoon sergeant and i'm like um so this is what the captain wants how the hell are we gonna do this and so we sit down we brainstorm we come up with our version we brief it to him and he's like i like this part i hate that part like that part here's what i want to do and then you kind of uh, combine it. But I really did like this drop that he goes through as a third lieutenant, especially first time I read this, I was a cadet. And it really kind of um it really kind of shows that relationship between platoon leader and platoon sergeant, which was something that I was imminently interested at the time. But it's like you he gives you suggestions. You don't have to take them. So like they kind of put that they said somewhere in the book where it's like you're the leader. So listen to your sergeant. If you don't, you're an idiot. But, you know, mm-hmm. they, they say a lot about that. Like, you have to listen, but you don't have to follow what that guy says. At the end of the day, you're the leader. You own it. And that kind of, like, leadership lesson in here, like, you know, as a 20, 21-year-old mm-hmm. cadet before I graduated really resonated with me on that. And the captain was looking okay. to see what kind of pushback he wanted, but he didn't push back too much. But, you know, if he had some ideas, it was in there. Okay. If any of that cool. made sense. No, no, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I so I love, I love that. I think we all have the Hollywood picture of like, that's an order. And like, yeah. you yeah. know, like, you're and even Highland, there were a couple of times. Like, they just throw yeah. words like, you don't defy me. And, and it's like, as if the, the person that meet above you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that is God, and you must do exactly what they say, or they'll make you do push ups a lot. Yeah. I mean, there, there absolutely is a time and a place for that kind of an order. But if, as an officer, if you have to say, and that's an order, like you've already failed, like you've already failed. If you have to, if the guy didn't take your order from that point on, that you don't have the respect or the esteem uh, hmm. previously to that point. So, I mean, hmm. you see that in movies because it punctuates. But I mean, if you lead like that, it's like, it's like, oh, clear out that connect, you know, clear out that truck, you know, take that equipment out. That's an order. So they'll take it off the truck and they'll put it on the ground and then they'll sit on it and they'll stare at you. (laughs) And it's like, you know, there was an implied test there. And if they like you or if they understand and respect you, they'll go that like, Oh, he meant put it in there and lock it up. And then we'll, 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 we'll do it later or whatever else it is, whatever the task is. Yeah. There's some things in there with that. Like, Hey, your, your platoon sergeant will Zim will, well, you don't uh, spoiler alerts. You don't know that the platoon sergeant is Zim, but he's like, you just figure out, you got to do what you do and he'll get your platoon ready for the drop. Don't worry about it. That's absolutely true. For me, this final battle was, it was kind of hard to follow because there was so much like talk and like military jargon in there that it really wasn't much of it. It was kind of like, it was hard to understand what was actually physically happening sometimes. Maybe because I don't know military shit so good. Yeah. I was skinning me real hard, so I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like three battles in the book. This is one of them, Mike. <laughs> yeah. The other two, I could, you, know, you could follow because the, the first yeah. one was just like, then I jumped and I threw a bomb and I said, this is a bomb, look out. And yeah. the second one was just like, we got our asses <laughs> handed to us. And this one was like, and then we did this thing and this thing and this thing. And then I said, we should do this and we should do this. And then I said this. And then in this perimeter and this patrol. Yeah, and it was and kind of a lot there, of. And then this bug yeah. hole. And then it was the bugs came out. But it wasn't the bugs. It was the workers. Oh, no. Yeah. And it was a trick. And yeah, some of that. Yeah. I mean, I loved all that. <laughs> I got the impression in the first battle that it was like a, a wedding DJ was calling because he was like, and now everybody on the left. And then they all had to jump. He's <laughs> like, so wait. And people on the right. And like, that's how the battle went. I was like, this is a strange way to do battle. <laughs> but turn around. But also, though, in the first. Like, Two steps this to is the where left. Yeah. 
I thought he did a good idea in at least that first battle, like Tarantinoing back to the beginning of the book, you know, where it's like and showing how they encircle and describing it's a V, but then the V closes. So if you're the last guy, you really got to move fast. Like those are not military tactics we would use, but if you had a powered suit that could jump miles in, in a minute, like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Also, the first battle, it's not 100% clear that it's an actual battle because the, f- the fighting back is minimal, if non-existent. It's almost like they were just... They were just wiping these people out. Wiping out the city. Yeah. (laughs) A guy opened up his door, and I threw an atomic grenade in his face. Like, suck on that, skinny. There's one one thing where it's like, I opened up this... I I blew down this wall, and it might have been a church or something, and I threw a bomb in it, and they said, this is a bomb, get out. And it's like, oh, this is just... He's just... This is a (laughs) 30-second bomb. This is a 30-second bomb. 29, 28. Like, that's awesome to me if you're... (laughs) It's a psychological weapon. But it was... Maybe a building that was might have just been a like full of kids. <laughs> yeah, they don't know that. You don't got time. Skinny <laughs> kids on the bounce. So on they the deserve bounce. to die. At one point, I'm your hop commander. Just, Keep going. He just lights a guy on fire. He has a flamethrower. Yeah, and just like and, he's like and he came out of his door and I lit him on fire. I don't know if he had a gun. It's like, oh man, you should have been a cop. But then, <laughs> it was, no, no, that's where he yelled. He had a gun and throw it down on his body. <laughs> Just sprinkle some crack on him. But there was no... I had no idea what was going on in that battle. But eventually, something happens. Oh, shit, I drank my beer already. Fuck. Drink it again. <laughs> I have to drink more of the shitty aluminum army. So, like, one of his soldiers goes down into a bug hole in the, into the warrens, into the tunnels, and so he follows him down, even though I thought he wasn't supposed to, but I could have been wrong about that. Anyway, it goes down, and, like, they there's, like, where are the bugs? And then suddenly the bugs come out and then the whole thing collapses in on him and then he, pa- and then he you know, gets knocked unconscious in his aluminum space shell. Oh. And then he wakes up and it's like weeks later and he's like, oh, you're, I'm alive. Oh my God. Well, you got a real boo-boo, looks sir. Looks like that battle's over. Looks like the author didn't know how to end this scene. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> You've woken up in the epilogue. I guess, yeah, exactly. I woke up, it's the epilogue already. Wow, isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, and then he's, uh, he's like, yep, I guess I lived. But then it's like later, and then he's older, I think. And he's the one saying, well, this is in the movie. He's like, come on, you apes. You want to drink forever? I think someone so, says it earlier in the book. They too. say it throughout a little uh, bit. That, this is, this is yeah. partly, but this is also like in the movie, in the film. It like the main character does that. Well, I guess we're, we're done with the book. It's done. But yeah, the end. The well, book well it ends with Johnny being the lieutenant of the Rough Yes. They've got to give Rico's Rough Riders. Rico's Rough Riders. He's the captain now. Yep. And his dad <laughs> is the platoon sergeant. I feel like everyone needs to know that because it's, it's heartwarming. It is heartwarming, yes. Yeah, uh, his dad is platoon sergeant. It's Rico's Roughnecks, and he he did get his commission. He is now the lieutenant. So that is the end of the book. Soldiers work on commission. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Sales. Uh, so the movie came out in '97, and it was uh, by directed by Paul Verhoeven, who is most famous for RoboCop, uh, one of the greatest. Uh, and Showgirls and Showgirls. Yes, where he does he's commonly he's a satire director, and for some reason. A lot of people in the 90s did not get that this movie was satire. Even like Roger Ebert was like, oh, this movie's a little fashy for me. And I was like, Rog, come on. It's, it's a joke. The opening scene of the movie is that one of these recruitment videos where the soldiers are going, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Which is literally a shot-for-shot remake of The Triumph of the Will. Hmm. And everyone's like, this movie's hmm. a little fashy. 
like later on in the movie with Neil Patrick Harris as a psychic uh, soldier, they added a lot of weird dumb shit, but they didn't add the mech suits because it was too expensive to do CGI back then, besides for the bugs. Uh, but he's a psychic, and they're literally all wearing SS uniforms. Yeah, the leather trench coat. It's yeah. crazy. SS and like the, their flags uniforms. are all like it's the stylish, eagle man. with like the X on it. It's like, this is not even subtle. And everyone's like, this movie's dumb, and I don't get it. It's a little totalitarian. I don't really understand. It's kind of campy and stupid. It's like, it's, it, I watched it. It is really stupid, but it's and hilarious. Really campy. <laughs> It's campy. It, it is. It's like the opposite of what the book is for sci-fi. It's like smart sci-fi, and the other one is like, yeah, this is Sharknado, but in space, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's. And good. there is the infamous. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. The, but infamous, the only scene worth watching. You're about to mention the infamous shower scene. Yeah, it's the only part. Which is what watch. everyone's like. Yeah, boobies. Because it all came out when we and were Jake ten. Jake Busey's ass. Jake Busey's. <laughs> he, his teeth are so big you can see him out of his ass. <laughs> from space yeah. he was actually first cast as one of the bugs because he was so mutinous <laughs> he just made chittering noises like that's great jake but we're gonna cgi those bugs you can be marines like i like bugs and uh but the things they're saying in the shower scenes like why'd you join is like i want to go into politics i want to be able to vote and he's like okay that's great and he's like why are you doing like i want to have babies and i have to have a license to have babies and if you want a license you can get one more easily if you serve it's like so it's kind of like you don't notice that shit because you're looking at all the boobies and all yeah. the butts. I didn't even know they were talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just like, and that's totally not in the book at all. No, because the women aren't allowed no. to do anything for yeah. drive badly. They're barely in it except when they're piloting. Yeah. And if you look at interviews about Paul Verhoeven, said he didn't even finish the book. He said it was boring. So it's not even a faithful adaptation because the guy who made the movie didn't finish. Yeah, the he book. wrote like two chapters. Like I can't do this. I, I, I have the yeah. exact quote because it's hysterical. I stopped, and I'm, I, the picture's in a weird Dutch accent, but I stopped after two chapters because it was so boring. <laughs> it is really quite a bad book. <laughs> I just couldn't read the thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And if you want a more faithful adaptation, it's the, the movie Aliens, the second one, because they actually made the actors read the book, so it's closer. The xenomorphs are like the bugs... It was kind of an inspiration. Hmm. And the exoskeleton, there actually is at least an exoskeleton in there. Oh, but, I mean, okay. the plot is not similar. But it was more like Corporal Hicks is kind of based on Rico, um, loosely. But, I mean, it's even more faithful. Which one is... Uh, is that the guy from Terminator? No, that's Michael, Michael uh, Bean. She was Ripley. Sigourney Weaver was Ripley. Sigourney, was Ripley. Michael Bean was Hicks, right? Yeah. The guy who's only ever been that. He's yes. only ever been Hicks. But uh, who was Bill, Bill he Paxton? he was also was in the, the uh, first Terminator movie, no? Isn't that guy the come with me if you want to live? Is that him? Maybe guy? that is him. I'm pretty sure. Is him. that him? He's in that and he's also on the cover of the original right. Metal Gear. Yeah, cartridge. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is him. Okay, yeah. And Bill Paxton came over, man. Who is he who is he in Star Troopers? I guess he would be uh Hendrix. <laughs> I don't remember I have not seen, I saw the movie when it came out and it was like this is I was like ten. I'm like, this is shitty. Aliens? Um, aliens is awesome. No, not aliens. No, I'm talking about I oh, Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. No, Starship Troopers, yeah. Is it's it's dumb as shit. Aliens it's is funny. super fucking awesome. Uh it's it, I watched it recently and it is it's still funny. It's dumb. It's clearly dumb. It's like a a step below a sci fi original movie. But yeah, no, it's it's super corny and over the top, and you have to wonder like how people didn't get that this was a joke. Especially from a guy who just does. Oh, because people movies. don't know anything about civics and government, and wouldn't even like recognize the symbolism. But even if you didn't know anything about civics and government, it was just like 
there's no way like this was over the top and like the acting is not good probably because Casper Van Dien is not a good actor nor is Denise Richards but why wasn't she in the shower scene god damn it that was the main complaint people had about the movie (laughs) (laughs) seriously I mean the other ones are fine too they were were quite nice boobies (laughs) but the Denise Richards like I had to then go watch wild things to see those boobies it was really yeah inconvenient and this is before Mr. Skin, you know? Like, I had to actually... Seek them out. Watch the movie. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that movie blows. So the movie is a, like a 180 from the book, I think. Because I don't think the book was meant as a satire. And then uh, and made a movie so shitty that everyone shit on that, too. Yeah. Though people retroactively claim it's a good movie. It's become, like a, it's become like, like a I cult get the movie. joke now. Yeah. It's definitely a cult classic. It's like, you're not supposed to take it seriously. It's like, that's the point. It's just a good, campy sci-fi romp and like i watched the movie long before i read the book and someone's like oh if you, if you like the movie you should read the book i'm like there's a book it bears no <laughs> resemblance whatsoever like, none <laughs> i feel like it probably wasn't marketed that way no it was marketed remember, very badly no. this is going to be a sweet action movie and it's like aliens and then it was i mean they, it's all people also don't didn't get that robocop was satire and that was pretty over the top too i haven't watched that in about 20 years i'll have to rewatch like, i don't remember it being a satire but i was a kid <laughs> I haven't seen Showgirls in a, almost. I've seen, I don't think I've ever seen it full through. But apparently, no. You just pause it at certain points. If you, uh, if you view it as a satire, Girls. it is also supposed to be quite good. But it just for some reason people didn't get this. Like maybe and he did a bunch of other weird Dutch movies that people got that was a joke. And as Americans, we we're just like boobies. Yeah, we, we get the important parts chance. of the movie. Yeah. Obviously, come on. <laughs> oh man! All right. So, uh, so who all right. Read the book? Uh, that's what I was going to say. Who should read this book? Um, everyone, it's the best book ever written. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, we already know that it's, it goes the Bible, then Art of the Deal are the top two. So <laughs> you could you could try to make a case for third. Yeah, it's Triumph, uh, um, Triumph I mean, of the Will a book. I think, I think that's the novel. It's the film version of Mein Kampf, basically. <laughs> it's precious, a novelization of Triumph of the Will by Sapphire. <laughs> so I was going to say. If you think it's going to, as we've already explained, if you think it's going to be kind of an action-packed sci-fi novel, you're going to be very disappointed. So uh, it's not like that at all. If you like a lot of philosophy with one or two scenes of action. Loose philosophy. Then it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think people talk about, like, it's boring. There's so much philosophy. I'm like, that's not a bug. It's a feature. I'm like, that's, I love philosophy. I love the military. Like, it was on purpose. Yeah. If you're if you're into that thing, this book is amazing, and it it skyrocketed the genre. If you like, I mean, forget about people that like philosophy. If you like classic 1950s sci-fi, like this is in your wheelhouse. It basically started it. Him, Asimov, mm-hmm. and and Arthur C. Clarke. I'm a huge fan of 1950s sci-fi. So if you like that genre, I mean, this is indispensable. I mean, if you don't like heady, philosophically based science fiction, that just stay steer clear far from this book. Like many sci-fi books of its time, mm-hmm. it was kind of more of an exploration of a concept than a character-driven, plot-driven yeah. novel. Though, I, I mean, I must say that f- calling this philosophy is certainly possible. It's definitely philosophical. It's more of a... Uh, philo- like In their moral philosophy class, if you take a moral philosophy class anywhere, they explore, you know, what the meaning of right and wrong is, what moral philosophy is, stuff basically like that. And you Ethics. go through, a, yeah, yeah, and they, you go through, like, other people's arguments and, you know, back and forth, and you try to get to the root of it. 
none of this is actually philosophy. This is just why communism is bad and a bunch of other like statements about like why we are right and all this other shit. And it is, you know, philosophical in that regard, but it is, it's very one sided. And I tried to look up the philosophy stuff they go through, like Marx's theory of value, because I don't understand what he was talking about. I looked it up and I still don't understand what he's talking about. And I looked up people talking about it and I understand what they were talking about because I don't know anything about <laughs> philosophy and it's fucking complicated. I mean, I think from an ethical philosophy true. standpoint, it, it's still, it, I mean, it says, hey, survivalism Certainly. is. But yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's an ethical. Like in a more, more, more philosophy class you're going to take and they're going to provide you with multiple points of view and have the people that you kind of like, because philosophy is basically just arguing and debating and maybe never getting to a result, but trying to figure out what the real answer is. And what they're learning in this class is not arguing and debating. It is, this is why we're right. Fuck communism. Blah, 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 blah. Though my favorite part of the whole philosophy thing was when they talk about the olden times, before the veterans took over after, you know, the, the treaty of blah, 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 and all this shit, like, there were children running around in the streets, mugging people, and they would lock them up, and they would do these things to them, and they, you know, they would just get in and out of jail, and when we put them in jail, they just got worse, and it was like, wow, you're really, you're right, you're absolutely right that this system does not work, and then he's like, it's because they didn't get hit enough when they were you little. Beat the shit like, out of them. Oh yeah. no, dude, <laughs> that's not that's not what you're kids. supposed to get from that. Like hit them when they're younger. It's like, it's, it's dated. Yeah. It is dated, but it was just like the rest of it was surprisingly not dated. Where it was like this, yeah, this it was, imprisoning and treating children like adults for putting them in jail stuff is very timely and contemporary. It's still an issue. It's still a huge issue, bigger than ever. And he was like right on point until the last second. We were just like smack him when he's a toddler because shit have beat yeah, them harder. Like, Fuck! <laughs> oh wow, that took a turn. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, That's he's, it. he's like, we can hit them all the time, but we're not hitting them when they're young enough. It's like, ooh, okay, okay. I think there's one important line in the middle of all the anal gazing <laughs> philosophy. That's flexible. <laughs> Well, when you have your head up your ass, that's what you're looking at. The guy is asking, like, why do we vote this way? Why do people vote that way? And he has all reasons. You know, it's like, oh, well, it's better to have people who have shown that they care more about the whole than themselves making the decisions and stuff like that. And you're like, all right, I guess maybe there's something to that. Yeah. But then he just says in the middle of that somewhere, it's, it works the same reason any system works. Or the same reason why you keep any system because it's working, so you just keep it, and like that's a thing yeah. in there too that I think is important. So I don't know if he's it's necessarily, pragmatism. yeah, he's like, well, this is working fine enough for now. We don't need to change it. I don't know if that's him weaseling out of picking a side or you know in this in this, this diatribe about you know civics, but I think that's an important line in there. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, definitely just, important. Every system is weird and fucked up in some way. Like there is, there's no perfect system, or hopefully we'd have it by now. So you just kind of accept it. Yeah, like Heinlein was not a fascist by any means. I mean, if you read Stranger in a Strange Land, oh I mean, he's he's just and, and out that's, there. That's like super left-wing almost. It is, yeah. And Maybe so he's just he, a contrarian. Just, yeah, he, he just kind of explores. I think he just he's a good, I like him as an author. He just explores ideas. He doesn't take a, a side in anything. He's like, oh, I'm going to go this way. It's a role magical space Martians, and we live in a commune, and we have lots of free hippie sex, and uh, and this is what we do over here in Stranger in a Strange Land, and over here we're a super militaristic society, and let's see how that would happen. The book 
blows so hard. It's like three <laughs> times as long as this. If you thought this was slow, Stranger in a Strange Land is really slow. It's, a, it's abominable. But I mean, there's also like Highland. He also, I think it's I will fear no evil. I will see no evil. He's got a weird book. And I'm, when I first read it, I'm like, this is 1960. He, he basically, it, it's like a book where a guy dies and his brain gets transplanted into a woman's body. And then the woman's body has urges towards men. And he's like, does this make me gay? <laughs> I don't know. And he like, he explores that whole, and I'm like, this is 1962. Like, this is pretty, like, this is relevant in 2020. Like, yeah, he is a visionary. Wildly, he just takes an idea. Yeah. And he rolls with I, it. I don't think that he himself is a fascist. I mean, I've never read anything else of his, but if those are his other books, then yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is just, because he himself said this is not, he's, he, as, as many science fiction writers of the time and still today say, science fiction is not a thing. It's called speculative fiction. It's like, this is something that I'm extrapolating from what is now happening and what could happen. Like, this is something that could come to be, and this is maybe a result of it. It's not necessarily like you could say that some authors put their own views into things and probably certainly they do because that's the way their mind works. But I, I don't think that just because this book is a little fashy doesn't mean that he is because he clearly did other things that were the opposite of this. But people fucking love this book. I'm one of them. It's true. And that list is not going to get longer today. <laughs> if you took the shit out, if you took all the political <laughs> shit out of it that people would disagree with, like the all that stuff and just made like this it's three it's chapters three chapters there's no there's not really it's not really a book although I, I couldn't find it again when doing research for for this uh this read through but i remember i read something about this which i thought was interesting i don't wonder what you guys think that someone interviewed heinlein about this book like two decades later um and he says that after the book ends he envisioned he didn't write it into the book but he envisions that johnny dies on that drop and I'm like, that I think is very interesting because it's like the end of his character arc where, you know, he goes from spoiled rich brat, high school punk to like, oorah marine, like, you know, MI fights because we're MI and that's what we do. And then, then he actually makes fun of that sentiment. He's like, what are you, Pavlov's dog? Like, uh, you fight because you're MI? Come on, man. Like, you know, there's more to it than that. And then he finally becomes this like, you know, he, he, he meets up with his dad and everything's good and then he he buys it on the last drop just like it's like kind of logical end of a cap trooper which is what they call him in the book cap troopers i i'm kind of happy they didn't put that in the book because it would end that feel good feeling but i'm i also it doesn't i think it would be a fitting ending for the character as well i mean there's a lot of i guess it would be kind of parallelism between the humans and the bugs where it's like they're both in a way totalitarian societies and they are both just sending droves of soldier grunts in for the brains to die in mass and and they never they never actually say what started the war because there is a running thing of just like no. did the humans just poke into bug world and the bugs were like hey fuck off and said well we'd better murder them all not just like let's leave them to their you know quarter of infinite space like there's no <laughs> there's no proof that the bugs will actually try to attack earth if we just say, okay, you can have as much space as you want, there's literally almost infinite space. Just to bring this full yeah. circle, that's how the French and Indian War started. Well, weren't you upset when that happened, Nate? <laughs> I, w- I, w- I, w- I was there. I started it. <laughs> but also, that idea is actually explored, which I think is the spiritual counterpart to this book. It's called The Forever War by uh, Joe Haldeman. Recommended highly. It's written by, instead of a World War, well, 
uh, Heinlein was actually not a World War II vet. He was actually uh, discharged from the Navy because of tuberculosis before World War II happened. So Johnny may be a little bit of his wish fulfillment, like he wished that he was in the, the Great War, you know, that everyone fought. But to kind of explore that issue, it's like uh, uh, humanity fights this alien creature, and then it, the war, well, I'm not going to spoil the book. but So I, I did, I yeah. read The Forever War, and I okay. thought it was interesting. And because it was, this, it was because it was the 70s, it was very much like an anti-Vietnam. Absolutely. Anti, Anti-Vietnam War kind of thing. But still, space marines in the vein mm-hmm. of, of uh, Starship Troopers. I saw a thing, I forget where, I think it was on Goodreads, where people were like debating this book about uh, like, is it fashy or not? And one of the things they said was like, here is a letter. These are two letters from sci-fi authors in the 70s. One is like, we support the Vietnam War. One is we are against the Vietnam War. And Heinlein signed the one that says we are against it. So, I mean, he was definitely against it, like publicly, like this is stupid. And Joe Haldeman, like in that just book, like he was a Vietnam vet and he was clearly exorcising his demons from the Vietnam War and, and then returning home from here. So they're, they're two great counterparts. One is like the pro-war, like this is World War II, we're absolutely right and this is what happens when we are. And then the other one, it's like, uh, you know, what I'm doing is still honorable, but you know, maybe society shouldn't have put me in this place in the first place. Yeah. And I think they're very intellectually honest and both explored in that world-building science fiction way of like, well, let's just take this idea and run with it and let's take it to its logical conclusion and then you, uh, you make the call. It could be this is just a giant devil's advocate book where people see it as him being pro-fascist or pro-totalitarian, but he's just like, well, you know, what if that happened? Here's what would probably, here's something that could be. And everyone's just like, look at this guy. What a dick. I mean, I don't know. It's still a fucking kind of boring book, but I don't know. I mean, he is cl- uh, he just he does ramble against communism a lot, which is perfectly yeah. fair for the time. Uh, but and, and, and still today, and right I mean, this I got to go moment, my, yeah, I got to stick up for my boy <laughs> Island there. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. No, it's silly. Though I did, I did read. I tried to understand what the arguments he was making was and the arguments against him, and I got a solid fifteen percent of it and from what i understood like his arguments against marxism were disingenuous or uninformed at best was like he has several fallacious arguments which don't make any sense and he willfully or just unknowingly doesn't actually talk about what marx actually wrote or just like talks about one thing and like ignores the fact that he wrote a lot about other stuff that contradicts what he says he said what he said marx said so I understand arguing against communism, certainly. It's dumb. But if you're going to put the time in to make this you know, position paper, you should at least truthfully state your opponent's point of view and not make up what they said. Straw yeah, man? Yeah, basically, it's like a straw man, except it's not even, except it's just wrong. Well, that's because all the straw was distributed to all didn't of have the enough communists, straw. so you, there wasn't enough to make one man. <laughs> Like I wrote one, I wrote one of them down where he's talking. He's talking about the, uh, you know, if uh, if a man, if a man, if a baker makes a cake, and it's good, and you know, and it's an awesome cake, and everyone likes cake, and another guy makes a shitty cake because he's not a baker because he's not making a good cake. You know, Marx would say that everything, those things are equal because of what, what the fuck? I wrote it down because it was who fucking. What he was saying in there was like skill. He was talking about skill. He's like, you can have the ingredients to make a tart, and you don't know what you're doing, and you can make a really shitty one. 
Whereas a person who's very skilled could make something that's like a transcendent apple tart that is so good you shoot yourself into space. And he said, <laughs> Marx would suggest that both of those men have value, but clearly they have different amounts of value in this situation, is yeah. I think what he was saying. He was saying it's, it's, about, it's about the value of human labor here, as I wrote it down. And his position in this is that those people are in Marx. Marxism, Marxism. He, he, he keeps calling it Marxian, which is odd. Maybe that's, they called it back then. So that's the adjective, or is he Marxian as a noun? I, yeah, I don't know. As opposed to it's Marxist, the, it's the Persian <laughs> Marx. It's the Persian <laughs> Armenian <laughs> Groucho Marx. Uh, <laughs> but his argument is is that the, that Marxism, Marxism sees those as the same. But uh, yeah, I don't. Think, I think that's a bit of a bullshit argument there. And what he's arguing is that uh, he's saying. The source of value is human labor. That's what Marx would say. You know, human labor does this is is what creates value. Kind of, I'm dumbing it down exponentially because I don't understand it. But he says does not lead to the conclusion that all labor creates value. Also, Marxism differentiates between productive and non-productive labor. But Heinlein has seemed to say like Marxism says that everything is just value, everything is labor, and we do these things, and they're the same, and that's just dumb because we are Americans and we can fist Marxism in the anus with our freedom. Well, you know, I am not one to defend Marxism ever, but <laughs> it does sound like he's really, really not pre- representing that accurately. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think that communism is good at all. It's dumb, but I understand. Every, there's, there's, there's no, there's no philosophy. Damn philosophy right. exists and has existed for thousands of years because we ha- there's no one system that just makes that makes everything that is right. Otherwise, it would just oh, be called one. just be called. Uh, it's called the U.S. Constitution. Oh, right, my bad. Bro. Unless you're, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you're gonna like this whole book is pretending to be a space bugs book, and it is just an argument in communism, which is fair, perfectly fair, perfectly reasonable to do. But if you had just left out specific examples where you disingenuously argue against things that aren't actual arguments, then you're not any you're not helping. You're not making a good case for yourself. You could if he had just done, you know, Marxism is bad or communism is bad because this and this and this and did like actual problems, because there's immeasurable numbers of problems with communism, certainly. But he tried to do all this moral philosophy shit and he then he incorrectly phrases it either willfully, willfully or, or ignorantly. I don't know. And it just kind of, I mean, I put more effort into this because I wanted, I wanted to know what these things were, and I still don't understand. But I understand that he wasn't right in what he was framing as the opponent argument. And I, I did read, um, maybe this would color your opinion, but he wasn't necessarily attacking all communism. There was like a, a wry... Mm-hmm. So when he's saying how was the U.S. like Russo alliance versus the Chinese hegemony? Yeah, like certainly. he was specifically targeting Chinese communism and Maoism. So maybe that would. And I'm like, I didn't even know that. I'm on my my, my first three reads. I probably picked it up by like my seventh. But, but we're but, like you know. at this point we're mid we're, we're really. mid Cold War where the enemy is Russia and China and China and China but at this point. They, yeah. were, the they were very people were very concerned that Russia and China would be would team up they really didn't though they they really started to hate each other pretty quickly 
I mean, I said why I think everyone should read it. What about what about you guys? I mean, everyone or people who like sci-fi or uh, definitely military cadets. I mean, if everyone, you like fifty sci-fi, then yes, certainly this is it's part of yeah. the canon at this point. Yeah, it's, it even if you don't buff. like it <laughs> or even if you don't think it's very good, it is worth reading as a you know a benchmark of the genre. Certainly, one thing I we could whatever, but like this was written for kids. <laughs> this what? Book. Yeah, kids he, are like he, seventeen. He had he had written a whole bunch of young adult novels, essentially, which are called they were called juveniles at the time. And this was sent to the same publisher. Like this was from the same line of those things where it's like I have an asteroid in my pants, like stupid kids things. And like this just feels way heady for a thirteen-year-old to read under a blanket with a flashlight. Yeah, you don't get into the Marxian Comparing. theory of value yeah. in most children's books. I, I, that, so, that's uh, except I a little red book. Yeah. Uh, like, apparently... <laughs> <laughs> but, but apparently this was his break from his juvenile uh, era, where the publisher that he wrote, like, Red Planet and Space Cadet and all those other books... My grandfather was a huge Heinlein guy. That's what got me into it, so I'm very emotionally attached to this irrationally. But... <laughs> But, uh, like, he said that he submitted this book to his uh, juvenile publisher, and they refused to publish it uh, because they're like, this is a philosophy textbook. And he's like, whatever, I'll do what I want. And then he took it to someone else, and then they published it. Like so, a teenager. Yeah. So, yeah, he did write juveniles at this point. And he actually has some pretty good books, and I, I read them when I was a teenager and uh, earlier on. But they're not, like, they're not this heady. I mean, there's, not philo- there's no history and moral philosophy classes in, in those tomes. Um, but yeah, no, this was apparently his break from that. And then that's when he went into the weird psychedelic, uh, drug and hippie sex scene, like uh, after this book and transsexual, you know, he, he needs to, like kind <laughs> yeah. of let loose a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I, my vote is only if you really like sci-fi, should you read this book? If, if Fair. you're like, I want to go read a fun book, this isn't it. No. If you just want to read a fun book, this is yeah. not it. You can read the chapter one and, and, uh, the second to Chapters last chapter, one, chapter ten and thirteen. The second to last chapter is a full <laughs> quarter of the book, and the last chapter uh, yeah. is a page. I'll close on that. <laughs> yeah, but everyone should read the first chapter, and then if you put it down after that, you didn't miss much because it was a you made huge it development. Almost in as far as that director who directed yeah. the movie. <laughs> Though I will say thank you to Robert Heinlein for inventing what became uh, Voltron and Power Rangers <laughs> and the whole yeah. Gundam mm-hmm. series. And anything else with a robot with a person in it, an Iron Man. So like Iron Man. A, a full third of the Japanese economy, it seems like. Every, yeah. Every like anime and video game guy and a guy and robot. <laughs> yeah. well, on that vo- on that note, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc, or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And uh, thank you to Alex for joining us and explaining yes, to you. us all the army stuff because otherwise this was confusing. And for, you know, telling us why someone should read this book. Otherwise, it would have just been a poop fest. And I want to thank you guys for inviting me. I really appreciate you taking me here. And Mike, uh, to your piece, now that I've been on your show, I will rate you a five on the podcast. I've been withholding my affection this whole time. (laughs) That's what we aim for. Thank you. And if you feel like it, you could head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub and spend some of your hard-earned money on on our shit and that's it's a really wise investment give it to us <laughs> very wise it's the moral choice you should do it yes Marxists wouldn't do it and check out the Hopped Up Network a network of independent beer podcasters and thanks for listening thanks for listening